Zendeli is pulled over at the corner with no name. Hello and welcome to F24U, the show about second tier race car drivers hosted by second tier sports analysts. Including myself, Jashan. Feeling pretty good today. I am joined by oh, half wizard, half analyst. It is Matt Stradamus. Matt, how are you smelling today? <laughs> so, so, how am I smelling? Mm. Uh, I smell like deep heat. You smell uh, like deep heat. Um, I think, so, well, whatever. Something, some sort of equivalent, having been to the physio. Ah. The knee's all good. So the knee's good? The knee's I'm, functioning? I've, I've been... I've been given the all clear to play the sports. So Congratulations! You can catch me. You can catch me. What's a what's a more moderate equivalent of like tearing up? Tearing up. Oh, oh right. Um, yeah. I guess uh, slightly scrunching up. All right, you you can catch me slightly scrunching up the TRL field tonight. <laughs> Take uh, it easy. Yeah. Don't don't put too much stress on that knee. Right? Yeah. You'd... Oh no, mate! Every every time I step, I touch the ball. It's at least at least three sidesteps. Oh, uh, <laughs> this guy's just sidestepping all over the place. Love to see it. As much much lateral movement as Hell possible. Yeah. That's really great for my knee. But regardless, today we are talking about Formula Two, which is why we're going to start off by talking about Formula Three. Matt, what happened in the wonderful world of our third division in single seat racing? <laughs> Oh, fuck yeah, there was F3. I forgot about that. Let me open that tab. Oh, my God. Um, I knew there was something I was forgetting. Oh I, I'm God. I'm nothing if not really organized. Oh, uh, my God. F3. F3 honestly, for, uh, despite my inorganization, F3 was a lot. And if I'm honest, probably the more intriguing category of the two this weekend. It wasn't a bad F2 weekend, but we've seen better, oh. more interesting races. But F3 was very interesting because it got even more so than the F2 qualifying we'll get to. It had real mixed changing conditions. It was all wet at the start and it was drying out towards the end. And so we got a licorice all sorts grid when everything licorice was all sorts. Kind of time your run Ooh. and things. And um, Kyo Collette nice. would take pole ahead of top qualifier in the category, Zane Maloney. Mm. Um, and then things would get kind of whack, because from there, Francesco Pizzi, who I don't believe has qualified inside the top 16 for the whole season, put his Cherus in third. Okay. Um, if you remember from the last show we did, uh, Oli Gerther, the fill-in for whoever the fuck he's filling yep. in for um, in the Campos, he had another good qualifying. He went, obviously took pole last time around, the reverse grid pole at the P12 qualifying. He went P4. Uh, Roman Stanek, P5. Johnny Edgar, P6. So all three Tridents in the top six. Then Smolia. Oli Behrman, the only man... Well, sorry, and Stanek. Oh, yes. Oli Behrman, the, the best qualified of the previously more notable championship contenders up in P8. Colapinto, Brad Benavides, and the reverse grid of Correa and Zach O'Sullivan, who would be getting the pole. Where was Saucy? You might be asking... Where his saucy was nineteenth, oh. but uh, where were our championship regulars? Arthur Leclerc qualified P twenty, Isaac Hadjar was P twenty three, Victor Martins P twenty four, and uh, Jack Crawford had an issue before he'd set a time and would not set any time, and he would be P thirty. So all four championship qualifiers tw- top. The top four of the championship, all 20th or worse for the weekend. All going wow. to need to do their best Charles Leclerc impersonations. Sorry, Arthur Leclerc impersonations to try and score any I see, what you see, it's a licorice all sorts grid because not only is it really mixed up, all sorts, it's also really bad because a lot of shitters are close to the front of the grid, hence the licorice. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call them shitters, just surprising names. Shitters. 
Oh, Goethe's not a shitter. Pitsy, maybe. <laughs> Pitsy but, um, might be a hard shitter. To, hard, to, <laughs> hard to judge Pitsy's weekend because, from memory, he just got fucking mugged in the feature race and so finished on the web. It's just every, everybody was fucking pushing him wide. Uh, sprint race came and went, and Ollie Behrman capitalised on being the only highly relevant driver with a good starting spot near enough to the front to take a comprehensive near five-second win in the sprint race ahead of the other championship sort of man up near the front, Roman Stanek. So the two guys who were in the points to start with made the most of it, took P1, P2. Alex Smolia would finish P3, uh, Johnny Aitken P4. Arthur Leclerc would do what Arthur Leclerc does best and find a way to just carve through the pack and come home P5 when all was said and done to take the most points of any of the previously top drivers. Then it was Will Alatolo, David Vidalez, Brad Benavidez, Isaac Hadjar just snuck in to get ninth place and a couple of points. Kyle Collette, Jack Crawford could only get up to 11th, and I can't remember Victor Martins had stuff happen. He could go nowhere. He finished 21st. Roasted. Feature race rolled around, and finally... Mercifully, Jashan, we have waited, you have waited all season for this. He's been taken out when he's been in good positions. He's fucking spun from first under a safety car. Here we go. But it has finally happened. Zane Maloney has his first F3 win of the season. It's a feature race Sunday win. 25 points. Fuck yeah. Honestly... And the man who is, he's nowhere in the title fight, but I'd have him, I honestly, I have him graded as a better prospect than quite a few people who are fully in the title fight. He's obviously, he's got the speed. Mate. That's what matters at this stage. The entire the island crossed. of Barbados rejoiced when they heard this news. Oh, yeah. This is huge. The, uh, the race craft will come with time. Not spinning after safety cars will come with time. Just ask George. He's not done it since. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's finally delivered. He took it ahead of tried at teammate Roman Stanek, who made it a double podium weekend, as did Ollie Behrman, who would push all the way up to a P3 finish. A uh, little up and down at times, but Ollie Gertha would bring it home P4. This will be his last race for, I believe, the rest of the season. But I'd have to assume Gertha's going to be back. Uh, next year, and he will definitely be one of the rookies I'll be watching most closely. I'm very, very high on his prospects. He jumped into a camper seat, replaced a man who I honestly forgot even existed in the championship, hence why I can't actually think of his name right now, because he'd never been relevant at all, and he's twice qualified in the reverse, inside the reverse grid places, and once once this, this weekend, P4, and with a P4 feature race finish, that's an exceptional result for a man who's coming right towards the end of the championship season. Uh, Johnny Aiken was fifth, Kyle Collette sixth, Will Altola seventh, David Vidal is eighth, Alex Smolia ninth, Rish Ushijima just hung on for tenth. They pushed hard, but none of them could get there. Arthur Leclerc could only manage 11th. Isaac Hadjar 14th, Jack Crawford 17th, and once again, God knows what happened to Victor Martins. Oh, Sorry, yeah, Martin's got sorry, Martin's got involved in um Kushmani deciding to um nuke the entire field at the final corner. I think he either just m- massively misjudged his braking zone or something, or hugely locked up and speared into I'm not a hundred percent certain it might have been Pitsy and this or that, but I can't remember exactly who he went into. But he speared into someone about three cars up of him in the right hander of that chicane, of the um bus stop chicane. And then either, I'm not 100% certain whether his car was so damaged that it just had full right steering lock on it and he couldn't control it, or having crashed and, you know, taken his nose off, he went, well, I need to fucking get into the pits. So he then yeah. drove hard from the far left of the track to get back to the right is what it looked like to get into the pits where he would drive across the front of, I can't remember one of them, but someone and Victor Martins taking both of them out of the race. I see. Um, it was a real impressive effort. Took out four cars in one corner. But yeah, so none of the big guns in the championship took any of the points. So all of a sudden, we've had an obvious three-person race for ages. All of a sudden, hear this. So Isaac Hadjar, two total points for the weekend. Martins, none. Leclerc, six. Crawford, none. All of a sudden, the championship standings. 
Isaac Hadjar is first on 106, having moved two points clear of Victor Martins. However, Martins is now down to third, because after 25 points from the weekend, Ollie Behrman is now second on 105, just one point behind Hadjar. So two points between the entire top three. Arthur Leclerc has closed in a bit. Six points, four more than Hadjar, has moved him to 101, just five points back. And with 27 points for the weekend, the actually the most effective weekend of anyone, Roman Stanek has moved to 96. So just 10 points between the top five now. It is, all of a sudden, it is on for fucking young and old for these last two rounds to close out the championship. And still not completely out of it. Jack Crawford is sixth on 80. And Maloney has now catapulted him to it, and he's come into real good form. His last two back-to-back feature race podiums, and his last three rounds, he's had a 10-point feature race. <coughs> Second and 18 points last round, 26 points this weekend. Maloney's up to 7th on 74. And even Smolia, just about on 73 points, could be in it. But yeah, really, five big five-and-a-half-horse race. Crawford's just about in it, right up the top of the standings. Um, honestly... Stanek would be the biggest surprise for me, but I have no idea which way it's going to go out of Hadjar, Bam, and Martins, Leclerc, and even Stanek. It's very, very... This is easily the the only other championship fight that I know of it going on in motorsports this season that can come even come close to rivaling this is the title fight for IndyCar. This is, this is fucking exciting. Erickson you have versus to think, whom? Palou? Uh, that is coming down to... It, it is... Uh, power, I think it's three or like six points between Power, Newgarden, and Dixon. Then there's a little gap back. There's still within like 20 points is Ericsson and Palou. Okay. And then also McLaughlin and O'Ward are mathematically in the title fight still. It's seven drivers mathematically in it, five legitimately in it. For the yeah. final two rounds for IndyCar. Hell yeah. And then Colton Hurden nowhere to be seen. He's in 10th. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to think at all honestly, well Martin Leclerc definitely, but I honestly think Hadjar and Behrman should be one and done. I would like to think all four of these drivers, along with probably Stanek and Crawford, um, should be on the F two grid next year. And I'd mm, I'd be tempted to um put Maloney straight through, but on the flip side, fucking put Maloney in a Prema, let him win the championship by like sixty points, and then put him in a Prema and F two in twenty twenty four. No, he has to stay in Trident because they have the same logo as fucking his home country, Barbados. The Trident. Mate, do you, okay, well, he can stay in Trident in F3 because Trident's really good in F3, but when he gets to F2, if you want him in a Trident, you clearly aren't a big enough Zane Maloney fan. He's going to take yeah, Trident F- to the promised land, mate. He's taking Trident all the way to Formula 1, dude. <laughs> As I say, all the way to Formula 1. They're the 11th team we all need. Oh, but, yeah, so um, very, very exciting action in... Uh, F3, and yeah, the title fight, and I'm looking forward to seeing which of these guys um, filter onto the grid, if any, for Abu Dhabi in a couple of months when the lower teams have flogged off their guys that they've got no interest in keeping for next year, and they go, fucking, we'll give Ollie Berman a quick run. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see which one of the which of these guys, or well, where, so I, I think it should be all of them, so where these guys end up in um, F2 next year. Hello, lads with the promising futures. It's good to see. On to Jashan for any uh, news and current affairs. Yes, we'll get right into the news. Not a whole lot to talk about here because we covered most of it in our most recent podcast for F2 for you. Um, Namely, the big stories of Tadiata Calderon being uh, back on the grid, uh, farewelling JQs, this kind of thing. Worth pointing out, Ralph Boshung... Obviously, returning from injury, doubts over whether he'd be healthy for the weekend, but he was feeling good after a wet practice one. Neck was uh, okay. So, yeah, promising stuff there for, uh, I believe he's Swiss, Mr. Boshong. Yes. Friend well, of the show, We may as well say it. Boshong was able to complete the weekend, so Boshong yeah. is back. It's taken a long time, but he's back. And we here are pleased that friend of the show, Ralph Boshong, is back. Boshong is back! Game-changing. And I guess the other bit of news, Lawson, Liam Lawson, obviously drove FP1 for Alpha Tauri um, this weekend, which he described as an epic feeling. So, how do you how do you do? I obviously he came P6 in one of the sessions. 
well, he was only in one of the sessions. So he came P6. Oh, true. He came P6. There you go. Put him in that Alpha Tower. Confirm it. Lock it in right now. Fuck Slot him, him in. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. He looks good in the uh, white navy as well, i got to say. Yeah. There's little frosted tips there. Do a New Zealand proud. Things happen proud. fast in the junior categories, but yeah, all of a sudden I'm back on I'm back on the Liam Lawson bandwagon. Fuck yeah. Back on the hype train. Look, I mean, I've talked about it a lot, but that man, when he when he races, it's fucking entertaining stuff. He had some very nice battles over the course of the weekend in Spa, Francorchamps, which is of He's course what we're talking us, about here. Yeah, definitely what? giving us the best side by side action the last two years. Fuck oath. Um, Belgian Grand Prix. It happened. We're here to talk about it. We're here to smash it out. We're here to uh, juice our thoughts into a nice, healthy smoothie of opinions and hot takes. And we're going to get started with, obviously, qualifying. Mr. Hume, Matt Stradamus, what have you got for me? How was it? Yeah, so, from memory, it was not as mixed sort of conditions as um, F3 was, but still, still, so that track trying out in that, and it gave us, again, no, nowhere near as wild that. There's no Francesco Pizzi type up in P3, but definitely... Not necessarily the exact grid you'd expect, and a few people, as always, well out of position. Yeah. Uh, Felipe Dragovic would capture pole in a early decisive move in the championship battle to get that beach race pole, and happily alongside uh, Enzo Fittipaldi, which I think has both of us excited. He's probably, I'd say, mutually our most favoured driver. I reckon he's probably top five for both of us. Oh, he's fucking sick. Anyone else is. Also, what is it with F1 drivers and naming their kids Enzo? Because down there in F3, we've got an Enzo Truly, who is, of course, the son of former F1 race winner, Yano Truly. Gee, I don't know, man. What's the most famous brand in all of motorsport? <laughs> and what was the founder's <laughs> name? What's arguably the most important man in the history of the motoring industry, depending how you want to view things? What was his name? Oh, if you want to be I basic about it, sure. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. Absolutely. That is good logic, though. Yeah, his... well thought that. Yes, it's, it's, it's after Enzo Ferrari, obviously. Yeah, uh, fair call. Yes. Uh, then Logan Sargent, P3. Jack doing a good P4. Do you think Giancarlo Fisichella's son is called Enzo? Um, that would be a great name if it was. Enzo Fisichella. I don't even know if Fisichella has a son, but oh. let's hope he does. Uh, P5 was the new goat, David Beckman. <laughs> the new goat! I never thought I'd say, but Jashan will be pleased, because uh, David Beckman's actually the greatest driver of all time. David uh, Liam Goatman. Lawson, P6. Uh, Lawson finally having a good quality weekend, and uh, he would absolutely capitalise on it. Vashore, P7. Porsche, I think he'd be disappointed with a P8. Garuvula, mm-hmm. P9, to have a front row start for the sprint. And Ralph Boshong is back, and now that Jake Hughes is gone, he is also able to fill his customary spot of sprint race front row, so he takes the sprint race pole. Uh, oh, yeah. Missing out, Hauger, P11. Armstrong, P12, he'd be disappointed with that. Awasa would be very disappointed, P13. Yep. Both me and Frederick disappointed in his P14. Nassani, Novelak, Marino Sato, Cullen Williams, Lorenz M. Denny, Amari Cordiel put almost a second into Tatiana Calderon, so that's not great for her. And something went wrong for Eurybit's car. I can't remember what. But he, he spun out, mate. Able to... Oh, that's he right. Spun right. He just spun because he's bad. No, um, well, the, the weather was uh, not uh, perfect. There was some drizzle. Yes. No, yes, yes. Uh, and then, yes, um, Vips obviously would start 22, not getting to set a time. Which brought about the sprint race, which, as I've said, uh, Ralph Boshong, starting from pole, would he be joined by Jayan Daruvala Jashan on the front row? <laughs> Jayan Daruvala, the man yeah. himself, the most promising Red Bull Jr. of all time. Yes. Um, no. No? No. What no. happened to Daruvula? I'm so confused. Ha- oh, that's what, what right, yeah. He, um, he pulled over on the reconnaissance lap he did. He, um... <laughs> Didn't even... Was, it, this, well, it, it, whole new level wasn't even a fail to make it around the formation. Like, he just he never even made it to the grid in the first place. Now, now whole new level here for Jehan in, a, in what was a shit weekend, quite frankly, for Prema. Uh, yeah, no, he was he was donezo. So, 
Liam Lawson was like, ooh, there's a gap. Allow me to, uh, allow me to just to, uh, slide right in there. Bang. This guy, this guy exudes confidence. Does Liam Lawson right now. He is in the form of his life. Um, dipped his toe into the grass off the start, it must be said. We but, love a good grass start. Nothing, love a good nothing grass. tops a grass start. Are you, are you a nothing, grass guy? Nothing right? tops to take. Unless you're Daniel Ricciardo and you rip the front wing off doing it, but nothing, nothing, nothing goes as hard as a good grass start. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Boshan would maintain... It wasn't like... We've had some pretty frenetic starts recently. This was quite clean, especially compared to the uh, the start over there in Formula One. This was good, clean racing from the get go. Oh, absolutely. Um, nothing too insane going on, apart from obviously Lawson going from P five to P two there in a matter of milliseconds. Love to see it. Uh, but Boschlang would retain his lead off the start. However, Spa is is got a few overtaking opportunities. Would you say, would you say there, Matt? How how many overtaking opportunities do you think there are in Spa Franco Champs? Oh, you got into La Source, you got down the end of the Camel Straight, and then you probably got the end of um, the back straight into um, the bus stop chicane. Three three like I'd say a a standard old you know five star passing opportunities, and then there's a few other spots you can make something happen littered around the track. Fucking there's nice. corners you can. There's plenty of corners that you can go two cars wide through as well, so you can sort of go a few corners side by side. But yeah, it's got three really good overtaking zones. Almost like it's a well built racetrack. <laughs> Indeed, almost like we're very glad it's staying on for the uh, for next year. Uh, Lawson would make the move uh, along the Camel Straight to take P1 there, uh, a position he would not cede for the rest of the race. Looking very good indeed up there. Uh, we had a bit of three-wide action between Porsche, Vashor, and Jack Doohan, and I think in what can only be described as foreshadowing for the weekend, Porsche would lose this battle. Uh, the black and white AIT car there struggling somewhat for pace. I don't know what was wrong with Teo this weekend. He just didn't, he, he didn't quite have it. Um, maybe yeah. ate too many scallops over the uh, mid-season break there. Uh, Vashor, Richard Vashor would kind of drop off the back of Lawson and Boshong, making it... Yeah. I just, just on that Porsche, I think, I think it's notable to say, once oh, yeah. that happened, I think that was on lap one, and that meant, yeah, within, by effectively, what, turn, turn five or six, Porsche, who had started, what, effectively second or third or something? Yeah. Effective, I think effective second after, um, old mate was gone. Uh, Dragovic had obviously started 10th, and yeah, within no time at all, Porsche was only one spot ahead of Dragovic. Yeah, Dragovic had solid pace as well this weekend, it must be said. Obviously, had taken pole, so, you know. I think that's his third pole in the season for Felipe, so yeah. He's got some good one-lap pace, does that man? But yes, Vishore, who uh, was in that P3 position, and you know, looking to make some things happen, it became quite clear pretty early on that he wasn't up to the pace of his competitors and he got overtaken by Jack Doohan for P3 fairly quickly. A nice little late breaking move by Mr. Doohan, the Australian. And then Vashore kind of just played that Yano Trulli role. We've already mentioned Trulli on the show today. Let's mention him again. He really, he set up, he was the cork in the bottle there was Vashore for quite a while. He described the race uh, as a race of survival. He's got Vashore basically trying to hang on for dear life and the entire fucking grid just trained up behind him trying to make a move happen um, for quite a while. I'm so glad that your your F1 knowledge has grown to a point that like you understand the cultural significance of Yano truly within F1. Mate, mate, you you educated on me on, on Yano truly very, very early on into my... Uh, Sports analyst career. You made sure the truly, I knew exactly the truly train is iconic, mate. The uh-huh. truly train is iconic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so that train was basically from him and P four to all the way down to P ten. We had Porsche try to make a move. I forget on whom, but he flat spotted his front left while doing it. I think that was on Vashore, actually. Yeah, I think so. Um, and on lap 11, we had a bit of a, you know, a kind of quiet race. Turn on its head a little bit. You know, some drama. 
coming in, making it happen. Logan Sargent, the man who has just lost most of his form, uh, made up for it a little bit on the feature race, if I'm not mistaken, on the Sunday there, but he, he struggled here. He lost his rear end on the exit of Puhon. I'm very excited to be able to say Puhon on a podcast and it be legitimate and not banter. And he just collided with the barriers. He triggered the safety car, um, which brought out some interesting strategic decisions, namely Felipe Dragovic, the MP ace, pitted for fresh softs, which dropped him down to uh, P12, having been in P6. In theory, his team were like, oh yeah, you're four seconds a lap faster than those ahead with your with your fresh tyres, so let's make it happen. Uh, racing got back underway on lap 15. Remember, this is, a, this is an 18-lap sprint race, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time to make this happen. But he passed Novelak and Vips on the, on the first lap. He passed Fittipaldi for P9 soon thereafter. And uh, yeah, he was scything to the grid, really making it happen. Uh, overtook Porsche. Um, eventually, I think that was for P5 when he took over Porsche. So obviously the strategic yeah. decision worked there for MP. And I think he would end up P5, if I'm not mistaken. So good for him. Uh, P4. He, 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 he jumped made P4. for sure. He came, home. he came home P4. What an absolute madman. That is ridiculous. But at this point, Lawson had opened up a 3.8 second gap on his rival, Mr. Doohan. Nevertheless, oh, you failed to me. Yeah, you've. You know, I mean, you're not. You've not mentioned that Dewan got past Boschman. Yeah, I had. Post safety car restart as well. I thought oh, I had. No. Post safety car restart. Ah, well, yeah. yeah. Oh yes. That's the only other thing. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah, yeah. distracted by Dragovic annihilating everyone on those tires. Yeah, which it is it was well, fucking. It wasn't it was the very only impressive. one. Like, and a few others did, and I don't think any of them made it up into the points. Maybe Hauger got like a point. No, he didn't because Premier scored no points this weekend. <laughs> He loved Dragovic it. was the no, only no, one no, who made no, that no. Hauger did score points this weekend. I forget if it was the feature or... Did he? Yeah. I'm positive that Prema didn't score points, but maybe... They, they did. Hauger scored two points this weekend. Okay, so he must have come ninth in the sprint. But yeah, Dewitt made a kind of last... I think he was either the last lap or the second last lap overtake on Boschung for P2. The second but, last. Um, yeah, so an all-oceanic front row there. Towards the end, love to see it. Lawson P1, Dewan P2, uh, big boy Ralph Boschung, podium on his return. Fucking sick. Very impressive stuff. Uh, yep, you're right, Dragovic came fourth. Vashore held on for P5. And what, what, it, some pretty solid driving, all things considered, for Richard Vashore. Porsche would come sixth, ahead of Armstrong in seventh, Goatman in eighth. Yumo Wasa in ninth, and Hauger would end up P10. So, yeah, that was a sprint race. Anything I've missed there, Matt? Yeah. Any big takeaways? Liam Lawson is obviously destined for F1. Absolutely. I just the biggest one was, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm 95% positive that Dragovic wasn't the only one who came in for tyres, but he was the only one who made any inroads. I believe, as I said, I believe Hauger came with definitely one who did, and Hauger got as high as 10th, which isn't even a point scoring spot. Um, just yeah. interest just shows how how good Dragovic is, how on it he was this weekend, and that. But yeah, just just fascinating that Dragovic made it work so comprehensively, drove from P twelve to P four in basically three laps. Both. No one else could make any real inroad. Liam Lawson described his car as really hooked up in his post race interview. So you love to see it. Hooked Feeling confident going into Sunday. Which is, I believe, where Matthew will now take us. Will I? Yeah, into Sunday. The feature race, in fact. Yeah, I will. Yeah, uh, you yeah, will? So, Dragovic... Well, I wasn't sure. I was kind of deciding. But, uh, also, I Dragovic will say, I front. am I'm growing on Jordan King as a commentator. I think he's... he's so am I. I thought he had a pretty good weekend yeah. in the booth. Obviously, no one, no one can be Alex Brundle, but I think King is the best of the rest. Yeah. In terms of the different commentators uh, we get. So, yeah, so good start, Dragovic. Fittipaldi, not the best. He would soon slip back, would be passed down the Kemmel Strait for Beckman, who moved up to P3. So great start for Beckman as well. Uh, then, yeah, it all sort of settled on. The early battle we got was Lawson v Fittipaldi. This happened multiple times throughout the race. Oh, yeah. And who won that battle, was... Matt? Lay it on me, huh? Uh, l- well... 
Technically, it depends how you want to look at it. Ah. Fittipaldi technically won the first time. Ah, ah, uh, and then, yeah. Lawson comprehensively won the second time. Oh, yeah. And then Fittipaldi won the third time, but both of Fittipaldi's wins were required to be given back because, obviously, yes, had to take the escape road. So they really, they were nullified draws and probably moral victories for Lawson each time. Definite victory for Lawson. He's the best um, driver on the grid. What I will say, I'm not sure which one of these of the second... Oh, God. The second or third occasion resulted in the penalty for Fittipaldi. Um, I'm not sure whether you're going to do that. Regardless, I think Fittipaldi getting penalised up there for one of the worst FAA calls I've ever seen. Oh, I mean, Obviously, he had to use the escape road to, to make it over. Oh, he's right? allowed to do that, but he redressed oh. the position. And if you redress the position, yeah. you don't get a penalty. Because he was penalised after the race finished. Yes, and the whole thing was that... And it did... The first, I, think it, I think it was the first time round. It took him a couple of laps to do it. The team said they were having radio issues to get the message to him, which is why it took some time. Once they did, he gave the spot back to Lawson. Mm. And, I mean, I'm happy enough to... That, you know, like... Well, he, he, maintained, he maintained his advantage for more than a lap, though, and before... Yeah, but what does that really matter in the context of things? Because then he slowed mm. up and he gave it back to Lawson and that, so I don't think... And especially as well, because I'm like, unless the FIA... And I don't know how it works. I don't know whether the FIA come across and say, oh, hey, you can either give that position back, or if you don't, you're getting a penalty. Yeah. And then the team, you can go, ah, oh, we'll try and... We reckon we can contest them and win out of that, keep on going or whatever. Because I know in other categories, often race control and that will is- issue the instruction of you need to give that spot back and things. Mm. So the team could have been waiting a bit to hear, you know, and I thought, but if it's not the case, the FIA doesn't, you know, give that option. I already think that's stupid. But, um... I think if they, he had the radio issues what happened is Sharuz were having issues with their radio and, and couldn't couldn't communicate. Well, that's what with, which with is what Italian. I said in that. And if that's, I feel like that's not that hard to prove. But even regardless, it took him. Yeah, it took him a couple of laps. But he didn't. He didn't gain a lasting advantage. I don't think. Like if they'd already given them the penalty because they'd gone, oh, you've taken a couple of laps. Bam, you hit with a penalty. Mm. Sure, they fucked around. But the FIA chose not to do anything about it till after the race, at which point he had redressed it. So why still hand out the penalty? That's fair. And it, it took him from P5 to P10, which is harsh. Yeah, I think he got pretty, pretty stiffed on Definitely got that one. In sort of the background of that, uh, around that time, uh, Porsche, we've already kind of alluded to it, but mechanical failure would end his race. You hate to see it. Um... And put a it certainly hasn't ended his championship aspirations, but it's put a massive dent in them. It's uh, not ideal. Yeah, from here we would get round two of Lawson and Fittipaldi once again going side by side, and this time they would maintain it all the way through the chicane, uh, and then around the next couple of corners with Lawson eventually hanging it on there. Because this was after Fittipaldi had redressed, and Fittipaldi tried to make a move around the outside of the chicane, mm. and then tried to hold it around the outside of the next couple of corners, and eventually was not able to do so. Lawson would hold on and win that one out. Um, this brought us up to pit stops, where Jack Doohan, who at this point was up to P2, I believe, opted to blink first and go for the undercut on Dragovic, who obviously Fuck her, he is did. known for liking to run long. Um, elsewhere in terms of undercuts, Lawson and Fittipaldi went for the earlier option and were able to leap David Beckman as part of that. Um, and then we'd finally, on I think about t- 10 or 11 maybe, a little bit longer, we would see Dragovic come in and Dune would inherit the lead. He would come out a second or so up the road from Dragovic and quickly extend that to almost four seconds. Uh... Running the alternate was what? The Shaw, Awasa, Novelak, Vips, Zendeli, Sato, and Cordiel. Holy shit, he's done all the way down to Sato and Cordiel. This man takes notes. Yeah, I took them all down. Well, because they were important, because they played a role. The difficulties of clearing the traffic, I think particularly Cordiel once doing close yeah. up to me. And obviously Cordiel had no obligation to um, just give the spot to Doohan. And for whatever reason, it took Doohan... Yeah, that's the thing. He couldn't, didn't have a, a comprehensive enough pace advantage to just roll past him in a non-traditional overtaking zone. So he had to wait for one of the more traditional spots. 
Um, by which time, Dragovich closed up all four seconds of that gap to Doohan and was suddenly riding his tail, at which point Kudil pitted. So, you know, mm. couldn't even slow down Dragovich for him. So as a Doohan fan, as an Aussie, I was a little bit concerned here. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, Doohan's looked to take it a bit out of the tyres and just push hard, pull away. Dragovich's been a bit more conservative. Now he's all over Doohan. But, uh... There was no need to fear. Doohan was quickly able to work back out outside of the DRS zone and then pull up to a margin of close to two seconds. A nice, comfortable buffer. Uh, Vushore uh, would pit and come back down in P9. Um, now in the fresh tyres, looking to do his best Felipe Dragovic impression, which he did fairly well. He himself would work his way back up to P4. Um, arguably probably a more impressive in some ways showing because he had bigger, well, bigger, bigger time margins to make up than Dragovic did, but more laps to do it and they would arrive at the same spot uh, eventually. But yeah, from there, that's the thing. It wasn't really the most compelling, uh, feature race. Then Delhi had a mechanical right towards the end, but yeah, doing, doing just managed that gap to Dragovic and finished off a brilliant weekend for him, taking that first ever, for third win in F, um, Tormia 3, first ever feature race win ahead of Dragovic and Lawson, who both had excellent, excellent uh, weekends themselves. And then the rest of the finishing results are for sure P4, as I said, Sergeant P5. Uh, David Goatman, P6, huge points for Van Amersfoort. Is that equaling their best finish, if not outdoing it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, Hughes may well have finished in the top six at some point, but I wouldn't be surprised. Be closer, yeah. Um, Awasa did well to get up into the points for, with him on the alternate strategy, as did Vips up to P8, uh, Novelak P9. Peter Powdy obviously got bumped all the way down to P10, which we've already talked about. Then Vesti, Hauger, Armstrong... Oshong, uh, the likes, all missing out on points. And I'm not really sure what happened for Daruvula to be way down at the end and, like, miles behind everyone else. But, uh, yeah, Daruvula was just a mess, mate. A great weekend for him. Indeed. Um, no, so the so, best yeah. VAR result ever was JQ's coming home in P4 in the feature race at Jeddah. Oh, yes. Does Jeddah really count? It's this was the that. second best result ever in the history of Van yes. Amersfoort racing in F2. So Beckman instantly delivering, um, and this was close to yeah one of their better weekends because of it. Second best, oh, third, third best, best weekend. They've had a Hughes has also had a um P five at some point. Damn it, Hugh, yeah, not in Austria. Oh no, did they have double points? Maybe Cordiel finished in the points. No. Anyway, regardless, Cordiel doesn't have a point. So yeah, don't be ridiculous. Um, that brought us to the end of another another weekend. Uh, championship standings wise, Dragovic is extended again. He's out to forty three, bud. Forty three point lead, taking twenty five points to Porsche's three two hundred five to one sixty two. Sergeant's still holding on to P3 after 10 points this weekend on 129, but now closing in a win, a pair of B weekends. Jack Doohan scored 33 points to move up to 4th on 121. Liam Lawson, 26 points to move up to 5th on 114. Bit of party on 101, only getting that one point. Owasa, 96. Daruvala now down all the way down to 8th on 94. He started the weekend in... Oh, he was 5th, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, Vesti now down to ninth on 91. Obviously, we talked about it last week when I made that point of, oh, how different does Jack Dillon's season look? Is, yeah, um, it is quite. He has that 17 points. And that's now that 17 points. He's comfortably clear of Logan Sargent. He'd be up to 138, nine points clear of Sargent. And closer to Taro Porsche at 24 points behind than Porsche is to Dragovich. And with the momentum in that, he could be starting to ramp up for, yeah, a P2 finish in the championship. Um, regardless, he is looking, yes, his form in the last few rounds has been vastly, vastly improved. Is he Alpine ready? Formula One ready? Because if you think Logan Sargent's ready, you got to think Jack Dewan is ready. They've had very similar seasons, just at different times. I, I agree. I think both are ready, but I would also, I would, I wouldn't mind even more so for Dewan, just because... The car he's in gives him less, would be in, gives him less room to grow within it. Mm. Sergeant can come into a Williams under Cook, and as long as he's showing continued in that, it doesn't matter. Like, realistically, even even F1-ready Sergeant, 
is probably battling for at best a P15. So if he's not quite fully ready and he's because of it, he's running 18, 19, that's okay. He's in a Williams. He can grow on the job. Dewitt is coming into the fourth best car on the grid. He needs to be scoring points week in, week out. If he's not quite F1 ready and can't be doing that, that's what leaves you in a position to then get dumped after a year or two. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But both of them, I would prefer come back for another year for a little bit more baking in the oven, but particularly Dewan. Hell yeah. Uh, Lawson is the one, and you'll be very happy about this. Lawson is now the one I'm firming. I think Lawson should be on the F1 grade. Oh, straight to Alpha Tower, he reckons. Uh, Porsche should as well, but I simply don't think there is a spot open for him. So I think Porsche... You'd have to think Porsche reserve driver yeah. at um, Alfa Romeo. Absolutely. Possibly racing in another category as part of that. And then, yes, it becomes a waiting game, obviously. If another seat opens up, they either loan him there or he can just take it. Hopefully we don't get another messy Piastri contract situation. Yes. Or if after year two, they're not happy enough with what Joe's doing, even with the money he brings, Porsche can slot on in there. Or maybe he just has to wait a couple of years away as a reserve driver till towards the end of the Bottas contract, and then he can come in alongside Joe when it becomes Audi. That's very fair. But Lawson, I think, definitely the best chance, and the one who, with the seats available, should most be on that. I think you've got to put Lawson in there if you're Red Bull. Why not? He's I'd I'd rather see what Lawson can do than see if Sonoda can figure it out in year three. And if you're opting, if Gasly is leaving, and so you're opting to keep Sonoda, I'd rather see what Lawson has to do in that car than Colton Herder. As obviously, I've said it on the, I've said it on multiple episodes on multiple different shows. I just don't think that Colton Herder is the guy. I get the I get the want for an American. I've got no issue with someone coming from IndyCar, but he's not the guy who should be coming from IndyCar. Any of the internationals that are higher up in the standings, like Paul, as I've said, Polo and O'Ward, should be the ones they're looking at. And if you're so insistent on an American, you're fucking Red Bull. Just poach Sergeant. Fucking rock up to Williams and be like, hey, lads. We have lots of money. You could probably use some money. Here's 50, here's 50 million euros. We would like ownership of Logan Sargent. And Williams will go, well, we are pretty high on Sargent. Uh, yeah. like 50, 50 million euros means there's zero issues if we let Latifi go. So, yeah, no, yeah, all right. You're 50 million euros. That's probably pretty fair. Boom. Put Logan Sargent in the Alpha Tower. You don't think 50 million you know, is a slight yeah. of a payment for Logan Sargent? Or you reckon that's bad? Oh, I have no. That was just me picking a figure. I don't know what the exact quantification would be. It depends what sort of contract he's on as well. But, yeah, they could happily buy him out or even pay Acura because, yeah. Fair. And that. Uh, so. Just there's there's just better options. Or as Yanis have said, just fucking yeet Jack Crawford in there. Or just wait a couple of years and then Jack Crawford might be ready anyway. Fair. Jack Crawford sits Jack Crawford in F three is sitting higher in my standings of like would be higher in my then Colson Red Bull Academy and affiliated drivers they're interested in rankings. And Crawford's probably already super license eligible. Yeah, which is ideal if you you know <laughs> <laughs> want to put those guys Indeed. in there. Yeah, it's, it's probably better to have a super license than not. Must be said. Ah, hell yeah. Absolutely. Positively. Positively? Positively? Yes. Oh, ah. oh, sorry. This is, this is one thing I definitely want to talk about before we get to winners and losers. Have you, I imagine you haven't, but did you decide to click on Jack Doohan's guest column article after Spa Francorchamps on the F2 website. I did not, but I, I did want to say that he he was stoked to win his first feature race. Stoked! Yes. Which is very wholesome. You see, I did, and I discovered as part of doing that, obviously, unsurprisingly, he's an Australian. He did a shoey after winning the race on Sunday. Oh, he yeah. also did one back at Silverstone. But apparently, either this boot or whatever, um, this was his last designed race boot for the year, with I assume, obviously, with like a specific design pattern or whatever. Okay. So he wanted to retire it, get it cleaned and everything, and then, you know, put it on display or whatever up with his trophy right. for the race. Um, however... When he put it back there, um, 
in the Alpine hospitality area with his trophy and a few things while he went off to do something else. He came back and it had been stolen. <laughs> oh, no. Which is, yeah, clearly this is, I said earlier it was Michael Marcy, but really this is the biggest story in motorsport right now. So if you are in some incredibly unlikely chance listening to this podcast whilst being someone who would watch an F2 race and steal Jack Dillon's boot... <laughs> um, please return it to him. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll give you like a fucking paddock pass or something. Oh. Um, instead for it. But yeah, no. Jack Dillon's boot got uh, stolen, which is a real bummer for him because he wanted to, you know, put it on display. It was also nice to see Mick Dillon having an absolute rort on the uh, on the sidelines oh, there. <laughs> Mick had a Mick had a great time this weekend. That's he it. He could have so easily it. been double podiums, but we weren't that far off. Um, a weekend clean sweep for Dillon. No, well, yeah, he said that was, he felt that was potential uh, to get that clean sweep, to get that double double dubs for, for doing there. But regardless, a clean and suave weekend overall for, for Jack Dewan. And I think, yeah, definitely the most impressed by him I, I've been so far. Far and away, Absolutely. it was fucking he awesome. Fucking, he fucking loves this track, obviously. He won two weeks, he got mm. two victories, I think one of them the feature race in F3 last year. So he's now had three wins in the FIA junior categories at Spa and another podium to boot. If you had to so, pick um, one, Logan Sargent or Jack Doohan, to be in your driver academy, Matt, who'd you go with? Sargent. Sergeant, I mean, Sergeant's got the talent. I've seen there. Sergeant do more. I've seen Sergeant do more in lesser machinery than I have for Doohan. Doohan mm. did fuck all when he was in haste. He had a couple of five. The one time he did flash qualifying pace, it went all horrible in the race days. Doohan did fuck all in that HWA. I was surprised when I found out Doohan was in a try and suddenly a championship contender because I didn't watch as much F three last year as I did. Right in uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, Dewan did nothing in the HWA, then got moved up to the Trident. Because obviously there's talent there and actual people can see it. Yeah. Um, moved up to the Trident, was the closest championship rival to Hauga then. Uh, and then this year he is in, whilst they're not doing great in the standings, the Virtuosi is one of the top cards. It's one of the top teams in the grid. It's fair. Sargent almost won a championship and in my books brought the absolute best out of Oscar Piastri. So he gets, he gets cookie bonus points for that. Um, and he almost beat Piastri, which I still think is a huge, huge positive green tick for Sargent's talents because he went toe-to-toe with the best driver we know in the junior categories at the moment. That's fair. Um, but then he went down into much lesser machinery, into a Chiruz, and was A, able to consistently get in the points, and B, I believe, won a sprint race in that Chiruz last year in F3, doing more or less machinery. And then Carl, probably about equally, Carl and had a real resurgence season this year, so I'm certainly not going to be like, all oh, the car loves not a good car. But yeah, I just, I think, I, Sergeant really impressed me with what he was doing in that Chiruz compared to, which is a better car than the HWA was for Doohan, I think. But, he was still overdriving the Chiruz, whereas Doohan was probably on, you know, was, you know, like, at par driving the HWA. Fair car. So go Sergeant. I also think he brings that American market, which is the hot topic it's, right now. So yeah, and and assuming Oscar makes the grid and that we have, it's already a rivalry there built in from their F three days. True, which would be quite fun to see a little Americana versus Australiana. Perfect. Shall we get to winners and losers now, Matt? Absolutely. Beautiful. You are a winner. You are a loser. Pretty obvious what we're doing here. We're picking some winners and we're picking some losers from the weekend in Formula 2. It's not that hard to figure out. Uh, Would you like to start this week, Matthew? You know what? Why not? It's been a couple. Mm. Um, I will go off the bat. Oh, off the bat! I will take cover drive right for off the four. bat. Let me just let me just quickly bring up my standings so I know why I'm going with this. I'm gonna go off the little little bit of a different one. Off the beaten track, perhaps. Uh, you know what? I'm going Virtuosi as my first winner. So obviously wow. we've known all season long. Virtuosi was going to have to be a one-man team. 
with that one man being Chad to him. We weren't expecting yeah. much from Sato. But, as we've seen all season, MP has been a one-man team, and they're hot in the fucking constructors' fight because Dragovic has just been that good. So, Virtuoso being a one-man team is no excuse. Okay. They're way down for a team that's been competing for the title the last few seasons. They're way down in six. However, going into this weekend, they were eighth. They're on 127. They took 33 points this weekend, all thanks to Doohan. Shrews, who are in eighth now, were on 104 at the start of the weekend. So, quick mass there will tell you. Virtuosi was down in eighth. Quick this mouse. big weekend for Doohan has leapt them by both Shrews and Dams. They're now 13-point cl- clear of Dams, cause that, which is a key thing, I think, because they are in... And uh, Shrews and Dams, both also effective one-driver teams, with drivers right up near the top of the standings who are slogging it away to be in that fight. So three rounds to go. Should be a big battle, but Virtuosi have moved ahead in that fight. So I think winner for them. Hell yeah. I'll take the really easy one. Obviously, Jack Doohan, biggest winner of this weekend for me out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Feature race win, that's his first one doing it. Feature races count so much more than sprints, in my opinion. Quite literally, in fact. P2 in the sprint as well. Uh, and yeah, biggest flash of his talent so far to date. And for my last one, I'm going to go with David Beckman. Ah, the Who expected goat. this? I certainly didn't. And across the four, across the three sessions of the weekend, I had Beckman a winner in quali. Bloody good job getting a VAR that far up the grid. Fuck oath. I had a middle middle ground in feature race. He didn't wasn't incredible, but he did enough. He sort of hung on and made sure he came home in the points. And then yeah, finished P five. That's a that's a winner for the um. That's a winner winner chicken dinner right race. there, brother. Sorry, P six winner winner for the uh, feature race for sure. So yeah, David Beckman. Jack Doohan, and the entire Virtuosi team. Okay, lovely. Oh, very nice. Succinct, solid, making it happen. Alrighty, I will slide in with my winners. And I'll start off with Liam Lawson. I mean, how could he not be a winner? Matthew just said that he believes Lawson could be on the F1 grid. And the stamp of approval from Matt Stradamus is all any of these drivers want in life. So there you go. Liam Lawson, winner of the weekend, despite the fact that today is Thursday and we're talking about um, a weekend that happened five days ago. Um, winner number two, Spa Franco Sharps for being extended at least another season. Good. We like to see it. We've talked about this already on uh, Rear of the Grid there. Check it out on all I mean, platforms. We don't know for sure it's staying in F2. It is sure it is, but that's not officially confirmed. Oh, well, I'm willing to, to connect the dots and say if it's been extended in F1, it's been extended in F2 as well. So Spa yes. Franco Champs comes home as my other second winner of the weekend. And number three, anybody who wants an F1 drive, so essentially everybody. Because the driver market is about as juicy as can be right now. And there are gaps opening up. Will Dewan get one? Will Lawson get one? Will Drogovic get a seat? Will Porsche slide in there? Suddenly all these things are possible. And it's good to see. And it's a cause for excitement, I believe. I'm a little bit in disbelief. And I have to say, I think at this point you're running a fucking agenda. Two straight weeks, possibly three straight weeks... You went for the old Porsche as a winner merely because he outscored Dragovic. And most times it was by like two points. I had Dragovic written down around. as well. I had Dragovic written down I'm as sure well. I'm sure you did by that, but I didn't say him. And you've refused to uh, say Felipe Dragovic when he absolutely <laughs> dicked Porsche this weekend. Okay, let's not bring let's not bring uh, sexual acts into the conversation here, Matthew. We're professionals. You know, we're trying to we're trying to make a podcast brand here matt not trying I, to make a I sex brand i didn't bring brand. sexual accent to god he, he you know dicked him like you know when you like absolutely when you throw a haymaker and you dick someone nah like you're an immature child sexual act, mate mate he he knocked him to the ground he absolutely knocked him out are you saying him. what do you want that felipe Dragovic physically assaulted teo porcher on track this weekend i'm saying he now, metaphorically that is assaulted the him that's extremely cause of concern. Metaphorical. Call the police, I'd say. Assault, mate. Call the police. But no, Dragovic's definitely worth a shout-out. Um, 43 points lead in the championship. Looking pretty solid there. Looking pretty odds-on with, what is it, Zanbort, Monza, and Yas Marina to go. So, 
Not a lot of time Suck for Porsche to gangrene. It's going to be so annoying. Now, my losers. Um, I'd like to apologize here. I thought Hauger scored two points this weekend. He didn't. I read Armstrong's results as Hauger's, so that's my bad. Prema, big loser of the weekend for the second straight Absolutely. race. Quad donuts. They're quadding up, boys. It's an ATV. It's one of Dennis Hager's ATVs he used to drive when he was four years old right here. So it's a fucking... It's a quad result. All zeros. What's going on? It's falling apart. Worst Prema outfit I've ever seen in my two years of watching F2. So obviously this is an expert take. My loser number two, uh, Teo Porsche. Just, just, just for a quick... Just, just for a quick compare the pair. Yeah. Um, F2... The F2... Sorry, the F3 equivalent of Prema is 86 points clear of Trident in those standings. And that's mm. despite the fact that Trident outscored them by more than 50 points this weekend. So they were almost 150 <laughs> points clear before this round. Hell yeah. Um, Spectacular. Yeah, it's weird seeing Prema so far down the standings and just so not remotely relevant in the title fight. Yeah. Oh, actually, just to double back down on my Logan Sargent thing, um, Sharuz has one point this season in F3. So Jesus. make of that what you will. <laughs> Consider it made, sir. Holy. There you go. Sharuz doing a lot better in F2 than they are in F3. It's I found I find that so... You'd think there'd be more uniformity with who's good in F3 and who's good in... Uh... Well, it's down to, not necessarily, it's a different engineering of the car and obviously down to the drivers you get in that. Like, Sharuz yeah, has been so sure. good this year because they've they've found a hidden fucking gem in Fittipaldi. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Sharuz did all right, did probably, I'm not sure where they would have finished, but Sharuz would have done much better in F3 last year because they gave the lifeline to Logan Sargent. They don't have Logan Sargent now. Their driver lineup's fucking Pitsy and two other drivers. And two other guys. Um, who happened to be the... I think Enzo Trulli might be on that team. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure Trulli drives a Carlin. Damn. Bummer. Um, yeah, I'm going to guess maybe like Laszlo Toth. Oh, <laughs> Laszlo. Yeah, Laszlo Toth. Oh, and David Schumacher. Oh, He's no. There. I don't even know whether Schumacher is still... Yeah, yeah, but David Schumacher is there. Heartbreaking. Is he? I don't know. So You're the one telling done. me the information. No, I know. I just don't remember seeing David Schumacher for most of the season. Maybe um, he's injured. He's yeah. Schumacher hasn't driven since the second round, so uh, I don't even know who's filled in for him. I'm maybe he's guess... got some sort of neck pain, much like uh, oh, Shov- uh, oh, that's right. It's been a rotating seat. I think Chauvinex done a couple of rounds, and it could be Mansell who's done the last. But yeah, Sharuz oh. is is bad. Is the main takeaway. Fuck yeah. Yes. Can't go wrong with that. Sharuz is um, bad. Um, it's more like Shalouz. Ha, <laughs> roasted. Got him. Ah, oh, interesting. Hmm. There's, a, there's a Dennis Schumacher out there who was also a drummer producer. So, there you go. Um, yes, Porsche is my second loser of the weekend for obvious reasons. He, uh, big loser. Absolutely. Big sad for Taylor Porsche for basically the opposite of all the reasons I just... Spoke for Drogovic for being a winner of the weekend. Porsche is indeed a loser of the weekend. So, move on from that. And my final loser is the sport as a whole for saying goodbye to Jake Hughes and Bullock Bussy. Um, to be honest, I think Hughes will probably find a way back into the sport at some point anyway because he's just that guy. But Bullock Bussy, I think, will probably never race again in F2. And that's, that is sad for everyone. Unless he doesn't lock down an actual full-time drive in a major category next year, I'd be biblically surprised if Jake Hughes is ever back. He's like biblically. 27. He's not going to be... He's never going to be back on the grid full-time. Bi- yeah, but he'll probably, um, like, so he'll probably he'll, like make a substitute appearance. You know, next time Boschang has... Yeah, but if, he, if, he's, if he's doing Formula E next year, I don't think he'd have any interest in substituting. That's fair. If he's only doing, like, a lower-tier category, like a sports car or something, not as busy of a schedule, but if he actually gets a Formula E drive, which is what he wants, mm. he's not going to take the time off. He, he'd use his weekends off to have a weekend off. That's a fair point. I hadn't thought of that. Well, that's even more cause for this being a loser of the weekend because that's uh, West Ham or whatever it is. He was it Aston Villa or was it West Ham? Aston Villa. He's a villain. 
Mm. Fair enough. I will, I will cop that. We will definitely miss Jake Hughes, if not Shambolic Bashi. <laughs> and how about yourself, mate? Uh, Who are your losers? My losers. Well, I had Premer and Porcher both written down. Uh, I will just bundle one into two and go with AR, well, two into one. Uh, I will just go with ART. I also had Vesti as a loser this weekend, yeah. with both of them being losers. ART. I think they've got winners both of my last two weekends. They made massive championship inroads a lot the previous two weekends, comfortably outscoring. Obviously, they got 41 points to Carlin's 10 in Budapest, and they had 39 points to MP's 23, Carlin's 22 in Le Castellet um, to make mega, mega inroads up the standings to go to the top with a decent margin. A lot of that gone now. Mm. They only scored three points this weekend. Carlin scored 36. MP scored 27. Uh, yeah, ART is not a one-man team, but their main man had a, you know, not really through his controller, shocker weekend, and Vesti decided this was the weekend for him to have an absolute fucking nightmare as well. All of a sudden, right back on, 10 points to Carlin, 20 points to MP, still anyone's to take this Constructors mm. Championship. Uh, my next loser is Enzo Fittipaldi. Um, he's been in great form, great momentum. After last round, he was the real flavor of the month, having pushed himself up to fourth in the standings. It seems like they're all rotating through, so catch Jack Doohan having a nightmare weekend next weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one point for the weekend. It probably should have been six points or something, as we said. He should have got that P5 finish, but one point for the weekend for Fittipaldi is not what he would have wanted, considering he qualified P2, and I was entertaining hopes of him winning the feature race. Uh, and my final loser, I'm going to go with Ayumu Awasa. Um, he obviously managed to find a way in to get some points from the feature race, but qualifying 13th is not good enough for a man who has had a lot of really good qualifying results recently. And yeah, three points or whatever from the weekend is not what he would have wanted at all. But also, quick shout out to Hitech or having a shithouse round and just consistently sucking dick all year. <laughs> Quick shout-out to High Tech for... S- <laughs> so unreasonable. Oh, God. Wow. Hey, they're a distant and lonely fourth. And they're only fourth because... They're, they, they're only fourth because Premier is that incredible. And that shows just how bad Premier is. Premier is worse than High Tech, who I think are having a shocking year. So... So harsh. Ice cold. They were just an afterthought for you, but you you just you just roasted the fuck out of them. That was your that was your heaviest criticism. That was oh, gosh. Let's let's change things to a more positive note. Who do you think we've got Zandvoort coming up this weekend? We're in the midst of a triple header here in the world of single seater racing. Lots of motorsport to chat about. Zandvoort is next up. Arguably the least interesting of the triple header. Hard to compete with Monza and Spa. But I'm still somewhat keen for it. Are you excited for Zandvoort, Matt? Absolutely. Why not? Let's see what let's see what comes about. Fucking oath, let's see what comes about. Alrighty. Do you have uh, any bold predictions for the weekend? And roll that into your predictions for the actual podium come Sunday. Um, bold predictions, I'm not too sure. But predictions, I'm going to go Porsche winning on Sunday. Simply because Porsche has to win on Sunday. Yes. Um, it's pretty close to win or bust now for Porsche. He's got to strike back here, especially because I'm not assuming he's winning and Dragovic is going no points. I'm assuming Dragovic is finishing no worse than fifth, so Porsche needs that win so he can at least claw back, you know, 15-odd points of his 42-point deficit. Very fair. To stay within, yeah, obviously mathematical contention, but he needs to be within... Real, that's it. At the minimum, he needs to be. He has to outscore Dragovic. If he's not within fifty points going to the last two rounds, I think that's just about done. Barring obviously a double podium weekend for Porsche oh, yeah. and Dragovic, you know, having a complete DNF. But yeah, you'd want to be within fifty points. So I'll go Porsche to get the win. I'm going to have Fittipaldi bouncing back, and he can finish P3. And in between them, I'm going to go Logan Sargent finally getting it back on track. He's gone for the controversial route of going. P1, P3, P2. <laughs> yeah, well, I went, I went Fittipaldi's name, and then I was like, I don't actually want to go Fittipaldi P2. I want to go Sergeant. So I had to do a bit of a workaround. 
Um, and I'll take Duna win. Duna win the sprint race, though. I think so. Duna yeah. will still be right up there in the points. Sprint race win and probably top five feature race. Love to see it. Alrighty. Um. Oh, jeez. Well, we do have the uh, advent of DRS on the banked corner here coming through. So. Uh, my bold prediction is that, same with Formula 1, I think a bunch of cars will fall victim to this terrible decision and crash out, one of them being Felipe Drogovic in FP1, that will take their car out of the entire weekend. So I reckon we'll have about oh, 12 guys actually driving come race day on the Sunday of the 20 I'm going to assume something. that the F2 cars won't be running DRS in the banking in their one practice session. Who knows? The FIA are all over the place. But regardless, I've got Lawson to continue his uptick in form, taking the feature race dub. I'll take Porsche in second. Ooh. And give me Doan to come P3. Drogovic will crash out and DNF. We never thought we'd see the day. I know. I'm all about Oceania right now. It's, it's good to see. The Aussies are coming up, Trumps. Piastri will win his court case. You heard it here first. Uh, that is all based off definite research and journalistic integrity, Matt. Any, Absolutely. any final thoughts you'd like to drop on us in today's pod? Travis Edian to be the RB1 in fantasy this year. Ah, NFL. Good to hear. Did you see that Randy Orton uh, said on an IG Live that he thinks Bobby Lashley's tits look great right now? Um, I did not, but he's he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. I need to actually, actually, I need to, I need to, um, I haven't actually read Raw and um, NXT yet for this one. Okay. Oh, and with that, and, uh, we have been F2 for you. You can find us on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, rah, rah, rah. You can uh, go and engage on a post on the old Instagram there, please. We're desperate for likes. God help us all. I've wasted two and a half years of my life on this, and it's going great. And with that, goodbye and peace. We have fun. Oh wow! Not even gonna, not even gonna say goodbye to me. All nah. Right. It's stiff. Get roasted. Yes, boys. What can I say, man? Perfect race. Finally, yes. Uh, I'm lost for words. We've, uh, this is just the beginning. I tell you. Thank you guys so much. Jack doing a feature race winner in his rookie season.